Hello and welcome to Charity Chats. I'm your host Samuel Davies and I'm honoured to be here again to present to you another episode of our podcast and this time round it was with a friend of mine James Atkins who you may remember actually from previous uh, podcasts. Uh, I think he helped out with our trustees podcast and he's been behind the scenes helping us with lots of uh, lots of different things. He's a very knowledgeable chap and uh, an expert, really, when it comes to volunteering and managing volunteers for charity. So we had a very nice chat in another busy cafe, and uh, here it is. Enjoy. So, yeah... Um here today in yes. another another busy uh, cafe. Indeed, yes. With uh, with my guest and friend James Atkins. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Charity Chat. Thank you very much. <laughs> so uh, today we're going to talk about a whole world of things. But Ooh. one of the things we're going to talk about is volunteering and internships. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Have you you've got intern or you've got volunteering experience yourself? Yes. You? Yes. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been doing volunteer management for about 10 years now, so, and sort of small scale and large scale charities. And I also went through the investing volunteers, so I did that in two organisations. So, kind of very familiar kind of best practice models and kind of seeing how it does work and sometimes how it doesn't, really. What's the, what's the benefit of that, investors and volunteering? I would say it gives you, I mean, it was originally developed by um, invest, uh, Volunteering England and yeah. then it was uh, taken on by NCVO. And what the basis of it was is basically nine point indications of what is your best practice from going from the creation of your volunteer role, your development, um, making sure the systems and structures are in place, making sure that you're um, doing supervision and communication. Um, and also that you're evaluating your volunteer program, um, which doesn't really happen a great deal. That actually um, evaluating the impact of what the volunteering is doing. And does that involve getting feedback from volunteers? And yes, things as well? very much so. so. It's very much the whole process is about looking at your engagement practices. So making sure that actually in a variety of formats that you're engaging with your volunteer base um, and evaluating what you've been doing. And what was it like working in those organisations in terms of, did you go in and they had got everything wrong or...? Uh, I would, I mean, I think in all fairness, I think it would be a mixture. I think very much so within localised teams, people are very appreciative of volunteering. Mm. I think sometimes, you know, if we go right back to the beginning, if some examples I've had of bad practice is actually, um, there was one time when somebody wanted to get some volunteering for two weeks just to do data entry. And... You know, the volunteering should always come back to this uh, reason of core pu- dual purpose. Yeah. So it should be the benefit to the volunteer, it should be the benefit to the organisation. And sometimes I think that gets a bit lost. Mm. So um, they literally wanted somebody in for two weeks to do it for free because they didn't have the temp in. And it was like, no, we're, we're going to move away from that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really best practice to kind of do it in that way. Because that's difficult, isn't it? And I've, I've worked at charities and I've been a volunteer in scenarios where it has worked. And I suppose, in my, my view, you know, for me personally, where it's worked for me as a volunteer is that I feel that I've come out with something, you know, I've, I've gained something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And where it hasn't worked is where I've either felt like my time hasn't really been appreciated mm-hmm. by the person because they've. You know, and I've heard of this, and I've probably been guilty of this, if I'm honest, you know, hands up completely. There have probably been times where I've had volunteers working with my organisation, I've been managing or coordinating, 
and I've run out of work for them and I've left them in a corner and you know that kind of care and attention hasn't been there and I think that comes back to right back to the beginning look at your role description mm. what well, I used to develop something called a role plan yeah so making sure that actually you outlined what was the volunteer role going to do and actually if they completed all those tasks what were the other aspects they can get involved in within the team okay um, and I'd force basically anyone that was working volunteers to basically start doing that process because it gets you thinking really um, because even within a team, you know, there might be other members outside your team or other, you know, uh, managers you can liaise with that can actually bring in other work that they could be doing. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, another bad example is around is that engagement part as well. So, you know, not being allowed to, for instance, go to team meetings, not being allowed to uh, receive staff newsletters. Um, also, that you weren't allowed to sort of create volunteering newsletters. So there was a real kind of concern. Usually it comes from a basis of confidentiality. Yeah. So a lot of charity organisations feel that you know, they don't want to necessarily um, disclose something they shouldn't to the volunteer base. Sure. But you sure. know, I've, I've seen scenarios where like, you know, there's 10 people in a team, one volunteer, nine of them all go off to a team meeting and that volunteer lets get left outside. That's not a nice way of no. making feel included, is no. it? No, and that's, you know, a lot of times, because a lot of experiences I've done ex-interviews with yeah. volunteers, and that is a big thing that comes up actually is that they feel like people were nice and they were friendly but they don't feel they were engaged with the team right. and i think that's even more important when you take volunteers outside of the office and they're doing like community work like befriending or mentoring making sure that actually they're still part of the team and they're still engaged right okay for charities Sometimes the challenge is making sure that you're prepared enough for a volunteer. Yes. And maybe measuring expectations too. Yes, definitely. I definitely. think, you know, there have been uh, situations where I've gone and, and, you know, my team have asked for someone to come in and volunteer for one to two days a week. And maybe we got it wrong at that first instance because we hadn't really planned out exactly what we're going to give them that's going to account for that much time. Yeah. So, and then of course then we're left with them sitting in a corner, so we're going to work for them. No, exactly. And I think yeah, that managing expectations part is a huge part on both parts really, mm. because um, you know utilising skills and their experience. Yeah. So I've worked with a lot of volunteers. That you don't come in as a blank canvas. You come in actually with you know whether that's childcare or caring or whatever you've been doing. It's basically you come in there with such a skill set to offer. Right. And I think sometimes you know when volunteers come in, they just think people think of as um, uh, one size fits all, yeah. and actually, you know, you could actually utilise some of those skills that they have, mm. and also assess, you know, say for example, if you give them a task, sometimes people, I've had volunteers that finish their task in about half an hour, 40 yeah. minutes, and when some volunteers will take three hours, so it's really right. assessing what skills they have to make sure you're utilising the best amount of their time. And it's a good good strategy to have, that if you get a volunteer that comes in to Ooh. do a job, Ooh. and then you, you kind of build a relationship with that person, and you kind of understand through catch-ups, or from, through meetings with them, whatever, um, exactly you know what they're enjoying, what they're getting out of it, and then you may, is it better in some scenarios to say, this isn't right for you, you know, we're sorry, you should go. Yes, I mean, in itself, I mean, I've only ever done it four times in my professional career, but if it's the case and it's not working out and it's not the right kind of role for them, then yeah, you have that conversation. I think it's important to be as honest and frank as you can. Um, I think sometimes volunteers are sort of held on because they think maybe more development options are coming, like training or more engagement is coming, and it just doesn't. Yeah. Um, and actually that can be detrimental to your organisation if you're keeping a volunteer on that's not having a good experience. I was at an um, IOF 
conference. Mm. A little while ago. It wasn't really a conference, one of these kind of uh, local meetings, you know, the IOF do these things. It's in central London. And uh, there was a speaker, Mandy Johnson, who mm. is the CEO of Small Charities Coalition. Okay. Recent CEO. And uh, she's coming up on the show, actually, in a few weeks. That's so there's a bit of a plug okay. there. Um, <laughs> but uh, she was, uh, she had some really interesting points because she was talking about. Uh, recruiting some volunteers, mm. and she said she used a platform called Reach Volunteering. Yes. And what she, uh, she I think she, she maybe hadn't found this out herself, but she'd um, had some feedback from somebody, or she'd, she'd learnt this somehow, that to give responsibility to volunteers mm. worked. And so I think she was talking about having these roles for volunteers, which were kind of higher level than I would have thought. Yeah. So giving them a lot more responsibility. Yeah. And that that had actually paid dividends because people were committed and they were yes. taking on things. And I kind of thought, you know, that's, that seemed kind of crazy to me at the time. But I thought, why did that seem crazy? Because actually, I've been a Samaritan for years and Samaritans are run, all the branches are run by volunteers. When you look back to the basis of what charities you know, started off with, they were all volunteers. Yeah. You know, it's only in the last 30, 40 years it's actually become a professional experience. But yeah. Um, I had an experience once where actually I line managed a volunteer and I got them to develop the learning and development strategy for the organisation. So actually got them to liaise with heads of business and directors, um, I got them to write the strategy. Um, I also um, got them to start embedding the strategy, so working on developing learning sessions and evaluating and things like that. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, similar to what you just said, some people are saying, oh, can you give that to a volunteer? And I think, again, as long as you're managing expectations, if a volunteer turns around at the end of the day and says, well, I can't do that, that's fine. But if you give them the opportunity, she stayed a lot longer than maybe other volunteers did. Um, I think it's about a year and a half. And she actually was a big part of one of the reasons the organisation got investors in people. Um, because it's her evidence base, basically. So. And, I, and I suppose a good model for volunteers is the fact that all charities are run by volunteers, yes, aren't they? exactly. So the trustee board is always a volunteer base. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's always looking at that and also looking at kind of other forms of volunteering you can engage these people with. So a big um, in thing of interest for me is micro-volunteering, um, which doesn't necessarily always mean short-term, but it could be things like um, sort of corporate volunteering as well. So getting people with a corporate experience to come in for maybe an hour or so and do a presentation or a workshop. Or right, okay. Is there any other ways that basically you can get a volunteer engaged and working with you that's outside of office hours? That's interesting, isn't it? And I suppose there are some benefits there in terms of, well, I mean, volunteers, there are studies that show that the children of volunteers working for yeah. people that volunteer for charities, their children have certainly been proven to give to charities. And so, therefore, it would make sense that you know, your volunteer group is also potentially your supporter group in many other scenarios, whether it's financially or whatever. Yeah. And the value of volunteering is pretty epic for charities, isn't it? Even large charities. Even um, very much so. I mean, the charities, for that experience, they're going to be your ambassadors. They're going to basically talk about it. Um, to their peers, to their networks, and if they've had a really good experience, they will promote that to anyone they'll speak to. And actually also as well, they'll probably invest more time because if they're passionate and they're committed and they've had a great experience, they will tell the world about it. And I think on the flip side, what charities need to be wary of is actually if volunteers don't have a great experience, they either say nothing at all or they say something negative about the organisation. Yeah. And I think that's something to always think about. That's interesting. We were talking about that in the last show because we were talking about recruitment and even people that you invite for interviews that yeah. don't get the interview, they could very well go away and they can either be proponents and champions Ooh. of what you do or they can be telling their friends, 
oh, they treated me terribly, you know, so that's bad PR, yeah, isn't it? of course so, it is. And even with that, and I'm sure you talked about it last time, but, you know, looking at the structure that you have, so even if you are turning somebody away, yeah. you're being really clear of the reasons and actually how they can maybe develop going forward. Um, if you just leave it and don't say anything at all, that's mm. when problems arise. You know, if there's a charity out there listening to this now, someone yes. from a charity, and they haven't got any volunteers at all, right? How how would you go about yeah. starting from scratch and getting some volunteers to come to your, your charity and help yeah. you? Yeah, I think from the from the get go, it's actually you know, and this doesn't have to be too long, but it's actually looking at the structures and processes when you start. So looking at your role description, usually as well doing a risk assessment on what the volunteer role is. Sure. Um, also liaising, even if it's a small charity of five or six liaising with everyone about this whole process of what the volunteers could do, yeah. what they could achieve, and also being reasonable about that. Mm. So again, I've seen um, you know, organisations where they're like, they want a volunteer for three days a week um, for up to 12 months, you know, and it's like, that isn't going to happen. Wow, that's a big commitment, isn't it's it? a huge commitment, yeah. and I think charities are still kind of a little bit slow on the uptake of realising that those, you know, those numbers for those sort of traditional longer-term volunteering is falling. Um, it's happening across the board and most of my colleagues that I speak to are struggling to kind of recruit people for you know those sort of longer term roles mm. so I always think about you know that's what I say to when I work with a lot of other charities is kind of look at um, you know can you make this a short term role mm. could you actually make it much more interesting and exciting because that's the thing as well about engagement you've got to engage those people into your organisation yeah. and it doesn't matter if they're a student or if they're semi-retired they're still wanting something that's interesting and engaging so it's kind of micro-volunteering, I suppose, yes. isn't it? That's the kind of thing. And I think, I think it's the buzzword, certainly, at the moment. But, you know, I've had great success of kind of developing volunteer roles over 12, 13 weeks. Yeah. That they come in for a specific project to help on a specific issue. Mm. They get experience, they help you out, and then you move forward. Um, I think the kind of model of maybe doing the sort of photocopying, mailing, data entry, you know, a lot of times now people expect that that's going to be a paid role, and yeah. that also doesn't add a lot of experience to someone's CV, to be frank. Sure, sure. And there are some things, you know, like charities do get lambasted in the press for Ooh. wasting resources and for yeah. spending money where they shouldn't, all this kind of stuff. And I suppose in some ways volunteers can help with that too, yes, can't they? Of you know, one of the charities I was working for recently were doing a whole load of work around, it's a couple of, a few Christmases ago, they were doing a whole load of work around getting volunteers, or asking volunteers to write Christmas cards to supporters. Right. And that was a really nice thing to do. I think so, Everyone yeah, definitely. That, yeah. You know? and, um, and it was also nice for the supporters as well because they got a personalised Christmas card, uh -huh. and so they felt thanked, and the volunteers enjoyed doing it, and I think the charity set up like a little room, and everyone were kind of working there, kind of staff were coming in helping out, and getting to meet the volunteers, and there was Christmas music, you yeah. know? Christmas hats, it was lovely, it was a nice little yeah. kind of uh, fun and time. I think it's always like looking at those kind of moments like Christmas, and sometimes the summer, looking at Easter, looking at specific moments that you can bring in volunteers because you will get an increase. Like for instance, January. Yeah. So a lot of my work now is preparing for you know a big January onslaught because usually people wake up on January the 1st and think, I've got to volunteer. You know, New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions, oh, yeah, totally. Um, so they're going to diet, they're going to volunteer, they're going to do some good work. And it's about charities themselves kind of capitalising on that moment. Um, so looking at the roles that you have, looking at what you're offering to them, and actually seeing if you can bring them in and also keep them there. Yeah. Because we know with New Year's resolutions, usually they kind of die out by the end of January. Now, if you're kind of having a system in place where you're not kind of engaging or it's taking a long time, people might lose that interest. So 
So right, it's kind of, you know, getting them straight off the bat, really. So we're talking about volunteering yes. and internships in charities. Yes. And in terms of, you know, you've got your volunteer, you want to keep them, they're yes. doing great work. How on earth do you develop them? Right. So, I mean, and that's the case, I think, with a lot of charities, they get slightly concerned. They look at budget lines. They think, we can't afford to maybe spend loads of money on training courses. And I think, actually, you have to scale it back a bit more and realise that, actually, you don't have to spend that much. Um, actually, development can be. It's a simple thing as if you're in a charity, if they're working in the fundraising team, can they work in the HR team for a day? Can they work within the media team for the day? Shadowing other departments. And I've had great successes with this, actually. You go and work for a day or two. Now, even if you're a much smaller charity and you maybe have, like, I don't know, five or six staff, and you're realising, well, how could I... I can't do that, we don't have other departments. We engage with other charities. You know, I used to swap volunteers. Yeah. They used to go and, like... So we had volunteers that come over for us for a day, and we'd send other volunteers to go and work at the other place. And is this to tick the box for the volunteers of giving them experience? If yes. somebody's looking for experience, that's yeah. the way to do it. Yeah. It's, it's a development option, basically. Yeah. Other things as well, obviously, a lot of um, volunteer centres, there's a lot of colleges that will actually offer free learning as well. Um, I even know of uh, Morgan Hunt actually offering some very discounted learning. I'm not set, I'm not oh, really? for it. Okay, that's fine. Uh, no, yeah, but that's right. We're not sponsored by no, Morgan no, Hunt not, yet. I'm not yet. <laughs> but it's, um, they are doing a lot of uh, level two health and social cares, and they're offering that out to volunteers who are just either discounted or absolutely free. Yeah. Um, also, another development option is actually what people just fail to think about is actually looking at um, helping volunteers with job applications. See Good idea. Interview techniques. So. You know, all that takes is two members of staff, you do some questions, you'll practice interview. Because a lot of times volunteers might not have that experience. That is such um, a great idea. Yeah, you know. I hadn't thought of that before. And certainly, you know, if you're looking at like the project I'm working on now, we're working with over 50s, and then people are looking at maybe their second, third career, right. and they might not have had an interview for about 20 years. So, you know, it really adds some benefit for somebody else to give them some feedback on how they could work. I, I was working with a volunteer a little while ago, and she was in a similar situation. She mm. she had been a uh, yeah, she'd, been, she'd been working, and then she was I think a, a mum, and then mm. she was coming back, and she was she was looking for um, experience to build up to getting a job. Yeah, and that was never something that I even considered that yeah. she might actually like to have offered to her yeah. the opportunity to be interviewed and have kind of yeah. an interview process and CV and covering that and all done stuff. Any and we could have done that. We could have easily done that. Yeah, any volunteer that was in my team, and I think. Certainly, whatever team you're in, you don't have to have been in a HR or a training experience. You know, we've all been through an interview. We all know what it's like. We all know what we're looking for in an interview. Um, so I even did it once where actually I did the interview with a colleague, gave some feedback, and then I actually did a pra they did practice interview with another teammate because everyone's going to look for different things and what yeah. they're looking for. So actually, to get that kind of rounded experience of what they're looking for to us, what I was looking for, is really helpful and actually very cost-effective. It didn't cost that much money. Um, Another development option as well is actually inviting them, like I was saying earlier, inviting them to team meetings. You know, engaging with, asking them, you know, if you've got, to, you know, inviting them along. Even if, say, for example, there's some confidential things being brought up, if you can invite them to part of the meeting, yeah. that can pay dividends. Um, and a lot of places, for instance, like if you have volunteers out in the community, I used to do a sort of biannual volunteer sort of steering group for some befrienders. And um, it was really useful to kind of update them about the organisation and um, do some sort of workshops. But yeah, I found every time I found a free venue, 
So the lunch I had to pay for, but again, that was like 20, 30 pounds. Yeah. But again, that paid dividends because the volunteers stayed longer. You know, mm. they stayed as part of the project because they felt involved. I think that's the main thing with development, they feel part of the business and they feel valued. What about giving autonomy to volunteers? I mean, we mentioned it yes. earlier, but you know, when I, I think back to being a volunteer at Crisis at Christmas, yes, I said, I did I Christ did Christmas. for years. <laughs> I don't live in London anymore, so I don't do it. It's a bit of a cop out, but my wife's Polish. We go to Poland every year. You know, it's, it's a massive cop out. But, um, but I loved it. I did love it, and I think the reason I loved it so much was because they gave you quite a bit of responsibility, and yeah. also you got to get to know other volunteers, and you got to meet the people you're helping. You see it all there happening. It's not as removed as sometimes you know in a scenario where you've got someone going to an office and they're working on a small mundane task in some cases and they don't you know I, I haven't been I've been in that situation not for some years but you know you, you don't get to see there the benefit to the people you want to help or to the you know you're just you're just packing envelopes whatever and I think that comes back to is again what we were saying earlier about the impact of volunteering when you're in the office around the community that you're always having that dialogue with a volunteer, even for instance, if you're doing data entry. Um, actually, if you explain to a volunteer, actually, well, this data entry is for, I don't know, a Christmas campaign, for instance. Um, if they know what that is, then they can feel motivated. Yeah. And again, and this is a big thing I always say to a lot of volunteer managers, saying thank you at the end of, you know, at the end of the day. So even, so for example, um, they're out in the community, you know, once a month, just saying thank you for their uh, work, sending an email, just showing that appreciation. Yeah. Um, that can showcase again, you know, that you're you're valuing what the contribution they're making, yeah. and also showcasing that. So, another example I've had is we had um, a volunteer come in, actually on a college sort of internship, and she was um, had some slight learning disabilities, lacking in confidence. But what the manager deliberately did is any piece of work that she did, she showcased the whole team about actually that she completed this piece of work and actually how that benefited the other people in the team, even at a higher level. And she did that in front of the volunteers? Yes, well she emailed. She, she okay. did email oh, yeah, yeah, but the yeah. volunteer could see that actually, oh, because okay, so this data entry helped the community fundraiser and then that community fundraiser could then engage with the senior manager. Right. Um, so it was all part of a chain. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And actually when you could see that, A, it got added value to the volunteer, B, it ingratiated the volunteer into that team. And then actually she ended up with a full-time role in that department. Oh, brilliant. Mm. Um, but again, that was and that was really to do with the, her manager, basically seeing that was the way to develop her, to raise her confidence, to showcase what the impact she's had. And a good manager should be empowering their staff, and they should be empowering anyone that's working with them, so they're, yeah. they're volunteers as well, in the same way. Um, but it's, you know, whatever task, big or small, to showcase... I mean, you say crisis at Christmas, you know, I knew when I did crisis at Christmas, I was cleaning the toilets for six hours. Now, yeah. but that was, I, the manager came over to me and explained to me that actually this is necessary because, you know, the clients didn't have access to clean toiletries mm. and actually this is a really good experience for them and actually you're making huge benefit. Yeah. So once I've been told that, it's like, it's fine. You, know, yeah. you just got your hands in and just said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a distinction that should be made between internships yes. and volunteering? Very much so. So I think um, interns, if you're having an intern within a charitable organisation, it's making sure that actually that intern is paid. Um, legally, within the UK, if you have an intern 
um, and you are not paying them, that is technically illegal. Really? Yes, it is. Um, I got told that by NCBO, Volunteering England, um, all the volunteer centres. It's very true. Wow. Um, so a lot of corporates, if they're taking on an internship now, they will pay them. The London living wage, like nine, ten pounds an hour. Okay. Even the fashion houses, you know, which used to work their interns like a, you know, a dog, really, yeah. like um, for nineteen hour days, they're not allowed to do it. Good. And, and the only <laughs> place it really still has internships is charities. Really. And I think if you're having a paid scheme, and again, if you're offering an internship, making sure that actually you have to have a significant training program, mm. development options, and um, they're probably placed with other departments. If you're looking for a role that's kind of just answering the phone and doing data entry, that isn't an internship. Right. Because an internship is starting off from point A and getting to point B. It's clearly defined as the development process. Yes. I see. Um, so um, if a charity's out there thinking, I'm going to put a job ad out for volunteer on charity job, and we're going to put intern in the title, they probably shouldn't do that. They shouldn't do it. However, I do know that it's easier to kind of attract the candidates you want if you put intern on mm. it. However, you know, and I've, I've said this at many charities and many, I've done a lot of training and coaching with other charities around this. You can't, um, you shouldn't be doing that. No. And if you're paying them, fine, you know, and I think that's all great. And if you're paying them, you know, if it's pretty basic what the scheme is, that's fine. But um, yeah, make sure, even if it is just one day a week for three months, mm. no, you shouldn't be calling it an internship. I suppose the bottom line of it is making sure that expectations are being met too. Yes, totally. So if, if you're if you're saying something in your job ad that the uh, the individual will learn how to do this or that or yeah. this or that, or, or you know, I'm sometimes I've seen this myself yeah. um, with the kind of benchmarking process that I've been through. Um, they talk about. Uh, job ads talk about the fact that you know if you volunteer, then you it will help you to get a paid position in the future. Yeah, and, and, it, and, and you know, it's no guarantee. To, no, it's no guarantee of that. And actually, I worked with an organisation once where in what they called their job description, which actually they shouldn't be doing. This should be a role description, as we know. But mm. um, they actually said right at the bottom, if you volunteer with us for four days a week for a year, we guarantee you a paid job. Um, okay. And I have to be honest that, you know, legally they're not allowed to do that. You can't say to someone you have to work for free before you get experience. That's interesting. Yeah, I see. And, and so I what think, sounds like a good thing initially, actually, yeah, looking at that way. No, I've, worked, I've even worked, you know, I know of charities that won't pay their expenses to their volunteer force. They won't? No. No, no. Some charities don't. Some charities don't. Mm. Or... There was one charity annual where they got the volunteer to go from Brighton up to uh, Kent, and basically they um, made them get the bus in the morning um, because they wouldn't pay for the train fare. Wow. But she came up three or four times a week. Um, how, how far is that? It's like well, a few hours. Um, anyway, I think she took about three or four hours to get there each morning. Wow. Just like, but um, how much of the responsibility for this falls on the individual? Because, you know, we're talking about adults, aren't we? So, yes. you know, you're not talking about children volunteers. So, you know, but is, is there such a pressure out there to... Get work for people that want to get a job, yeah. especially in charity sector, yes. there's it's clearly a sense of you know getting a volunteering role will help them with their applications yeah. for paid roles. Uh -huh. So is there is there a kind of a pressure on them? I think so, and I think that's probably that, that's probably developed over the last 10, 20 years or so mm. that you've really seen this kind of thing of you have to volunteer first before you get in there. I mean, even if you look at sort of information advice workers, 
you know, they have to volunteer first before they get an advice role job. Really? I mean, that's anyone I've worked in that sector has told me the same thing. It's a standard to, thing, yeah. It's a standard thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think we have to kind of move away from that. There's nothing wrong with somebody maybe, you know, in the spare time or at university or they've got some spare hours at the weekend doing a bit of volunteering, that's fantastic. Mm. And they may be looking at the long term and getting into work. But to maybe just kind of be at a loss where they're not getting any sort of expenses or they're having to sort of you know, sacrifice a lot of things because they're volunteering. It kind of verges into exploitation. I think, you know, we need to make yeah. sure as a sector we're kind of moving away yeah. from that. Really. That makes sense. Especially, you know, the charity sector stands for you know, all these good things, doesn't it? So it stands against that kind of exploitation. And it makes sure as well that, you know, your volunteering is actually inclusive. So, mm. um, you know, because if you are asking for a lot of volunteers, then you're only going to get a certain part of society that can do that. Um, True. And you miss out on a whole cross-section of society that actually might benefit your organisation yeah. long-term. But I suppose as well, like looking at, we're going back to sort of engagement again. So looking at kind of the various ways that you can engage and making sure that it's cost effective and it's not costing you a fortune. Um, making sure as well that kind of, you know, you look at your social media. So, yes. you know, I think that's a big asset to an organisation, but you've got to mo mobilise it right and facilitate it right. In terms of as a recruitment yeah, so volunteers? With, so with volunteers, so like for instance, social media, like Facebook. And there were a lot of charities set up um, sort of closed Facebook groups or Facebook societies or um, Twitter groups and you've got to make sure of it's actually just being facilitated that you're engaging with the volunteers that you're answering the volunteers when mm. they're posing questions now this could be volunteers or supporters but you know I know a lot of charities where like somebody will post something and a week later they'll reply now social media moves on at a pace yeah, you've got to kind of move a bit faster than that and actually volunteers have come in I've seen it a lot on social media where they're giving a very long essay and a comment about how things could be improved mm. now you don't just ignore that or just say thank you it's actually how is that information being utilised so I yeah. think that's you know because social media is a new thing really we're talking about the last 10-12 years it's become part of our kind of language um, also as well looking at your newsletters so um, if you don't have you know you have, don't want to have a volunteer specific one that you just engage you send out the staff ones for the volunteers you know what updates are going on in the organisation and also coming from that place of trusting your volunteers that actually they can be given this information if you're having either a structure or an office move that actually it's okay to tell your volunteer for this and actually I think it's highly beneficial at the moment and um, also as well things like, for instance, engaging with like, say for example, bring volunteers together for a focus group or a brainstorming session. Because a lot of times in charities you hear brainstorming and everyone just does a big sigh and goes, oh god, I can't do this. <laughs> um, but actually volunteers will come in motivated and probably actually come in with some innovative and creative ideas mm. you could utilise. Even for instance if you're having a, um, a way day for your whole organisation. Um, I think it, I think it's good for staff as well, isn't yeah. it? Because I mean, if you've got people that are committed to coming to work with you, and they're not getting paid, that that says something about your organisation, isn't it? And if they, especially if they keep coming back, if they don't keep coming back, then maybe then you've got some issues you need to address. But you know, I've said, I've seen many a time bringing volunteers and never hurts any organisation. Actually, can be very useful to have the volunteer viewpoint. And actually, they suggested things that I've seen actually taken forward by this organisation as So, are there good places that people or charities can start to go to either as a would be volunteer or as a would be recruiter?
recruiter of volunteers. Are there good places that people can go to online, offline? Okay, so how do you find right. so How do you I, find each other? Yeah, so um, I think the starting off point is obviously looking always to your local volunteer centre. Right. So in London, they mostly have them in every borough. Um, also, as well, looking at um, finding your research about you know things like this, and do it. Do it. Oh yeah, I know. Do it. Yeah, the National Volunteering Database. There's also something called VC Connect, oh, yeah. um, which a lot of the volunteer centres in London use. But I think you know, the first off, you go to your volunteer centres, or even just simply in Google, just type in if you live in I don't know, for instance, Southwark in South London. Mm. Just type in charities in Southwark. Mm. Start researching. I think very much so. You know, charities and volunteering should be about your own personal choice. Yeah. You shop for so many things. Do you know what I mean? You shop for the best discounts all over the place. Absolutely, and I, I do. With volunteering, it's about finding the right fit for you. Yeah. So it's about the cause, it's also about the experience you want to get and the roles that they're offering. And I suppose if you go onto some websites or charities, you'll be able to get in touch with them directly. Very much so. I mean, hopefully, most organisations um, usually have it in their Get Involved section and they have a volunteering page. Yeah. And usually, just to let you guys know out there, it's usually volunteering at and it's the organisation's name. Um, usually you'll get through to somebody. Or if the worst comes to the worst, I would just ring up their reception point and just say, I'm interested in volunteering, and they will give you that information. Okay, guys, so there you go. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Um, that was uh, James Atkins, who very kindly gave up quite a lot of his time to talk with me, and I found it very interesting. I hope you did too. Um, yeah, just a few people to thank. I'd like to thank our corporate sponsors, Giant Squid Audio Lab, for sponsoring our podcast kit. Magda Aksumit for her website design. You can check that out by going to charitychat.org.uk. We can also find all of our social media links and uh, articles relating to the podcast. And um, Forrester Fools for providing our soundtrack, which you've heard throughout the show. We love those guys. And also RR Yard Photography for pro bono website images, which uh, they provided to us. Again, charitychat.org.uk to see those. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for listening. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, please do get in touch and uh, let us know what you think of the show and if there's anything you'd like us to tell you or talk to you about, or have a conversation with somebody else about, we can always do that. So um, do get in touch and become a contributor. So uh, yeah, have a lovely uh, autumn, and uh, I'll speak to you in uh, a few weeks' time. Cheerio.